Hello, my name is David Lesner, and I'm one of the pastors at Creekwood United Methodist Church. We are located in Fairview, Texas, right east of Allen, just north of the Dallas area. The sermon you're about to hear was recorded at one of our worship services, which we'd love to invite you to check out live at 8.30 a.m. for traditional or 11 a.m. for contemporary on Sunday mornings on our Facebook page or the recorded version on YouTube. We'd love for you to check out our social media pages at Creekwood UMC or our website, creekwoodumc.org, for more information about what is happening and how you can grow with us in our mission to share God's love. If you feel inspired, there's also a way to give at the top of the website. Thanks for listening to this sermon, and we hope it inspires you in your journey with God. Good morning. Our scripture comes today from 1 Samuel chapter 21. David came to Nob to the priest Ahimelech. Ahimelech came trembling to meet David and said to him, Why are you alone and no one with you? David said to the priest Ahimelech, The king has charged me with the matter and said to me, No one must know anything about the matter which I send you and with which I have charged you. I have made an appointment with the young men for such and such a place. Now then, what have you at hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever is here. The priest answered David, I have no ordinary bread at hand, only holy bread, provided that the young men have kept themselves from women. David answered the priest, Indeed, women have been kept from us, as always when I go on an expedition. The vessels of the young men are holy, even when it is a common journey. How much more today will their vessels be holy? So the priest gave him the holy bread, for there was no bread except for the bread of the presence, which is removed from before the Lord to be placed by hot bread on the day it is taken away. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us say, thanks be to God. There's a lot of things in this story. The biggest question I keep asking is, why did Ahimelech give David the bread? Um, there are political reasons behind it. Perhaps he, you know, David lies to him and that he's on a mission for Saul and Ahimelech wants to um, fulfill his duty to the king who is seen as, you know, God's voice on earth or God's leader on earth. And so there's political reasons to do that. There's fear reasons. David walks in by himself suggesting maybe fugitive status before he tells the lie that gets Ahimelech to give him the bread. Um, so maybe there was fear factor going on in there. But I think the thing that we have to know is that even with those factors, Ahimelech didn't have to give David the bread. The bread was set aside as this holy bread. It was called the bread of presence. It was uh, prescribed in Leviticus 24, verse 5 through 6. It is six loaves of bread, uh, or 12 loaves of bread set in rows of six that represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And the bread of presence, or the show bread, is, is another way to translate it is the bread of faith. And it's set right next to the Holy of Holies where God's presence was said to be the fullest or the richest, or even that's where God's presence was. And the bread, steaming hot that was there, was meant to be a physical representation of God's presence with the Israelites in this priestly city of Nob, in the tabernacle that was in Nob. Ahimelech did not have to give the bread by law. Now, the other part of the story that I became fascinated with, though, as I was looking into this, and maybe from more of a pastoral side than an exegesis standpoint, is that David chose a church. David was from Bethlehem, and 
where he was in this point in time geographically, David could have gone to Bethlehem and he could have gone to his hometown and perhaps hooked up with his old posse and had all sorts of gangs because at this point Saul is chasing David, actively trying to kill David. And so he could have gone, he could have taken his men, rallied up some more troops and started some kind of war. And maybe in Bethlehem, his hometown was where he would have found that. But he didn't go west. He went east toward Jerusalem to this priestly city, the city that is given to the Levites to perform priestly duties in, Nob, which is north of Jerusalem. David didn't go find his refuge or find his sustenance or nourishment or identity. He didn't go back to his hometown. David went to a church. And so there's this kind of dualism playing. There's this conflict that's playing out of a young man who's on the run and in trouble goes to a church for nourishment and help for him and his men. And a priest who is functionally in charge of that church who can either give the bread or not and would be justified both ways. And we all know how, at least when we're looking at the relationship between Jesus and the Pharisees, the priests feel about breaking the law. The Jewish priests, it seems, were very concerned about order being followed. They were very concerned about things being in the right place and things happening at the right time and following all the prescriptions of the law because they were the ones in charge of making sure that God was happy with them. They were the ones of making sure that they did everything to honor God in all of the right ways, that they crossed all the T's and dotted all of the I's. And we can even look at how the Sabbath had progressed from simply in Exodus, uh, Exodus 20 or Exodus 20 with the Ten Commandments, where honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall work, but the seventh one you shall keep rest. You shall take rest. For that is what God did. God created in six days and then took rest as this model of recalibrating and recentering. Sabbath was meant to um, not define us by the work that we do, but bring about both humility and identity. Humility in knowing that we are not God. Because if you read the Jewish Mishnah, which is a kind of book of law that expands upon the Torah, in the Jewish Mishnah, there are 39 different categories of work and then broken down into different levels of what that work looks like. And those 39 categories of work are largely centered around avoiding two things. Avoiding anything that you can do that will create or build or avoiding anything in which you exercise dominion over the earth. Both things we've been given to do. It is good to create. It is good to work. It is good to contribute to the world. It is good to take dominion over the world in a healthy stewardship way. These are things that were given to us at the very beginning for six days. But at least one day, we need to remember that we are God's people and not our own. But not only humility, but also identity, because we can get so wrapped up in work, and I don't think the Israelites were any different. We can get so wrapped up in what we do create and how we do take dominion that what's the common question we first ask somebody when we meet them? What do you do? What do you do for work? I was standing in a, I mean, I was standing in a security line at Orlando Airport yesterday, and you know, somebody turned around and we were all commenting on it had already taken 30 minutes for us to move five feet to get through the security line. And the guy looks back at me and he didn't even ask where I came from or where I'm going or what I did in Orlando or anything like that. He goes, so what do you do? 
And I really wanted to say, do you really want to know? <laughs> but we got in this whole conversation about what I did and what he did. And it was this kind of thing. And I realized as we went through security and we didn't, you know, we'll never see each other again, that I don't know his name, he doesn't know my name. We have no identity outside of what we do and what we produce. Doesn't know my interests. I don't know his interests. I don't know what his story is or where my story is. And so Sabbath is meant for this rest a little bit. It's a little bit like how Labor Day got created. Labor Day got created by labor unions that wanted to recognize the value of the American worker and recognize that the country had become great and prosperous, not because of some massive system that exists or not because of nameless faces who are all doing work, but because of unique individuals that were gifted and created and have an identity. And they wanted to celebrate these workers. And then eventually that celebration turned into a day of rest so that those workers could go do whatever they wanted to. And they could rest and recharge and and so from a Christian standpoint or from a religious standpoint, it is a humbling experience to have a Sabbath, to come into the presence of God, to come into the face of holy bread. And remember that that bread was provided to us before we ever made it. But also a day to recharge. And as Ahimelech is standing in this decision of breaking these rules that they hold so sacred, maybe around Sabbath or maybe around the holy bread, breaking these rules that have been, they thought, ordained by God so that they would have proper sacrifice. Versus a young man who simply needs some rest and identity and love. And I'm reminded of what Hosea would say later as the Jewish people had taken their sacrifice a little too legalistic, a little too far, Hosea 6.6, 6, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. So for political reasons, for social reasons, for fear reasons, whatever it is, I think Ahimelech had mercy because he recognized that this bread was better for this person and this person was better for the people rather than the strict set of laws that surrounded that person or that culture. It led me to ask the question, as we're coming to Labor Day, it led me to ask the question, um, what happens if you get called in on your day off? What happens when the boundaries that we have set around weekend and work schedule, what happens when you get called in on your day off? How many of you have heard of this kind of, it's an internet craze, I don't know how much it's really happening, but uh, phrase quiet quitting? Quiet quitting is a misnomer in my opinion because no one's actually quitting their jobs. They're just not doing things that are outside of their job description, which logically totally makes sense. And I would say that if you're being abused at your workplace by getting asked to do way more things, then have a conversation with your boss. Now, I would advise you if you're thinking about quiet quitting or just not doing things that Texas is also a right-to-work state, and if your boss doesn't like the fact that you're not doing anything, you might want to find a new job. But in quiet quitting, what I've, what I've seen is it's a healthy boundary setting. It really is a healthy boundary setting. I have not been tasked to do this. I have not been asked to do this. And so therefore, I, I'm not getting paid to do this. It's not part of my job. What I started to wonder about, though, was my job. I started wondering as I'm sitting, you know, on a beach in Florida. <laughs> shouldn't be thinking about my sermon, but I am. And I was thinking about my job. And I was thinking about if I'd been on that beach 
had, if, if someone had come and they asked for bread, and I'm on my holy Sabbath, I am just trying to recharge with my family for two and a half days before I leave them and come back home for church. Can I look at them and, I, and can I say, I'm sorry I'm on Sabbath right now. Can I look at them and say, well, this is not mine to give you. And, and it's weird because I have this like professional Christian status where I'm like always supposed to be on. But then I thought about this story of David and Ahimelech and how Jesus talks about this story of David and Ahimelech. Where Ahimelech is worried, I think, about these very clear boundaries of what is holy and what is not holy and what is on and what is off and what can I do in this point and what can I not do in this point. And Jesus refers to this story in Matthew chapter 12 when he's walking through grain fields with his disciples. And his disciples are hungry, so they pick some grain, they mush it together, they make some kind of really weird bread out of it, and then they eat it. And there just happens to be some Pharisees that I guess are walking beside them because they're just looking for an opportunity to question Jesus. And they're like, look, you're working on the Sabbath. You are creating. You're taking dominion over the earth. You're doing everything that we've told you not to do. These are the boundaries, and you have crossed the boundaries. Jesus says, look guys, it's for the good of the people. What are we here for? We're not here just about sacrifice. We're not here just about rule following. We're not here just about boundaries. We're not here for one thing to be right and one thing to be wrong. We're here for the good of the people. Let the people who are hungry eat the bread. He even says in John chapter 5, there's another story where he's healing on the Sabbath. And people are like, why are you doing work on the Sabbath? Why are you creating? Why are you claiming dominion over people and over sickness? And he says, my father is still working and so, so am I. It really caught me in the story where David goes to a church. And I think when we hear the word Sabbath or when we hear the word even time off, it's good and right that we take time off from what we do and what we are working, that we don't overwork so that we don't become our job and we don't become what we create. But I don't think that same break applies when it comes to the way that we're living out church in the world. And what I'm really excited about is when I was, I was sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not allowed to ever take a break, which is not true. Because I try and take Fridays and Saturdays. I try and take vacation with my family. But I also was reminded about this verse, 1 Peter chapter 2. And it says, For you are a holy and you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. And it's not referring to the actual priests, but it names that every person adopted into the family of Christ, every person who has joined into the work of Christ, has this priestly role. And the priestly role that Ahimelech was playing was he was the mediator between God and the people. His job was to introduce people to God and make sure that God was there for people. And First Peter kind of opens this up. Jesus opens this up of saying there aren't the boundaries anymore. You live in this fluid form of life. There are what is good for the people around you? What is good for you? Maybe it's to take that time off in that moment, but what happens when somebody needs you? I desire mercy and not sacrifice. When I say, when Hosea says sacrifice, it's not sacrificial love. It is following the rules of sacrifice so that we can play like we're Christians, but maybe not live like we're Christians. One of my favorite church stories of all time, I was a uh, youth pastor at Countryside United Methodist Church in Topeka, Kansas for about 18 months before we got moved back down here while Lindsay was in grad school up at University of Kansas. And... 
Um, it was probably two months, three months into me being there, and the contemporary service is, uh, is down in the gym. And so we do the traditional service, and, and this senior pastor, Fritz Clark, was really passionate about um, raising me up and training me up. He knew I was going into the ordination process, so he gave me well more opportunities than I deserved at whatever age, I think it was 20, some, 24, 25, something like that, and would let me preach, would let me help out in worship, and all sorts of really great things. And so um, I had helped out in traditional worship, um, was taking off my robe and putting it in my office, and I traveled down to contemporary worship, which is down the hall, it's in the gym, and the praise band's playing, and I look around, and um, the sermon, I mean, that service was only about 45 minutes, and, and Fritz is not there. And so I'm looking around and thinking, well, okay, well, you know, we got done with song one, there's song two, and then there's song three, there's a scripture, and then there's a message. And, and these songs weren't very long, and Fritz, you know, by the middle of song two wasn't there, and song three is coming up, and I look, and the preacher, the senior pastor, is literally not in the room at all. And so I rush into the hallway, and I'm looking around the hallways, and I cannot find this guy, and I know we've only got two more minutes. And so I'm thinking, okay, do I need to step in? What's going on? You know, and so eventually we have this weird, awkward pause where the scripture reader goes up, reads the scripture reader, and then no one goes up front to give the sermon. And most people in the congregation are thinking, we got off the hook today. This is the best Sunday ever. No sermon. (laughs) And I kind of go up there, and I was like, I have no idea where Pastor Fritz is. I've looked around the building. I sprinted. I can't find him anywhere. And so I, I muddled through something. It was about three minutes long, and it was terrible. And we all got done with worship, and um, someone, then Fritz comes in during the last song, and he's got, like, grease on his hands. And what had happened was when he was going to take off his robe, he looked out the window, and there was someone out in the parking lot who had pulled in just to the driveway and had like two flat tires. And so Fritz, during this 45-minute time, had gone out and helped the person change his tire, helped call a tow truck who had shown up and was there with the tow truck and helping get all these things organized so the person could get their car on the tow truck and get on with their life and, and go help. And I remember, you know, he's telling me this story, and I thought, how could you do that? You had to lead church. You know what you did to me? You left me hanging high and dry. Like, I was really confused because my role as a pastor, I thought, was you lead church. You do all the right worship elements so that we have a wonderful Sunday experience so people feel inspired to go and live their faith and their discipleship out in the real world so that we can share the love of Jesus in every which way. And he goes, what do you think I just did? I shared the love of Jesus in every which way. I saw somebody who needed help. And I gave them my holy time. I gave them what was set apart because it was better for him. And y'all were fine. (laughs) It's my favorite church story because I really think it wrestles with that dynamic of, I suppose, what do I want to control and what does God call of me? What are the hard and fast boundaries that are meant for my rest, that are meant for my devotion, that are great boundaries to have, but what happens when I need to break them? What happens when there is an opportunity for mercy? I think about the words of John, Jesus in John chapter 5. My father is still working. So am I. I want you to take your Sabbath. 
I want you to have your work boundaries. You do not need to be defined by what you do. That is not who you are primarily. You are God's chosen and beloved child. But that is an identity and work that never quits. Let's pray as we go into communion. Gracious God, may we be a church that looks out the windows for those who are choosing church as a place of nourishment, for those who are finding us in Christ to eat the holy bread that we have tasted and found to be good. And so God, as we join at the table of your bread and your cup, may we be reminded who we are, whose we are, and what we belong to. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We would love if you could leave us a review on whatever platform you are listening today and let us know how we are doing. Be sure to check out our social media pages at Creekwood UMC and our website, creekwoodumc.org, for more ways to get involved at Creekwood United Methodist Church in person, online, or both. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.